It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for taking the ride with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. And with us, we are so happy to have Alex Roy, podcaster, columnist, documentary producer, Director of Special Operations at Argo AI. We could go on a long time. On the whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Great to see you, Alex. Hey, guys. Very nice to have you. You 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 have such an incredible radio voice. Like, how could anyone not want to come on your show? (laughs) I know, isn't it amazing? I mean, and then it's followed up by mine. I mean, people must be going, "What the hell?" (laughs) But go ahead. Well, Argo AI is a self-driving technology platform company with backers that include Ford Motor Company and the Volkswagen Group. It also has the No Parking Podcast, which Alex co-hosts with Argo CEO Brian Seleski and lots of other content at groundtruthautonomy.com. And Alex, you have a featured opinion piece there headlined, Why Self-Driving Isn't a Race, It's a Game. And you write, people often ask you, who is winning the self-driving car race? And you say, if you want to predict a winner, you've got to know what kind of race is being run. Well, Thanks for having me on to talk about this because uh, every time I go out anywhere uh, and someone knows where I work, in fact, all they want to talk about is, you know, your investments, what company stock they should buy. And invariably it's like, but obviously Tesla's winning this and this and that, and, or it's Waymo or, and it's just, it drives me nuts. So I thought I would write this piece. I guess I write a piece like this every few years where I just explain like the, the fallacy of thinking that, things, especially business and life is, is a finite game. Um, and it obviously isn't like games with finite endings are for kids and real life isn't like that. And so that was, this was in response to that. And actually, since we published uh, last week, a week before, several news stories have come out where once again, the self-driving race narrative is out there. And I'm hoping that every time that shows up, I could post this column in the comments. Well, you point out that there's so much history to prove that the the biggest companies, the once apparent winners, if you will, companies like Nokia, nobody could beat them in in phones, (laughs) TWA, Pan Am, what can happen to them? And actually, well, if you remember, we all MySpace, like the dominant social media company, and now Meta, you know, even since we discussed doing this recording, Meta has collapsed 25%. So the notion that technology just stops because an arbitrary milestone was met and that it's over is absurd. <laughs> it really is. I mean, just like the flip phone, although the flip phone's almost back because now we have a foldable phone, but um, Motorola, I mean, Motorola. But you, you know, it's not back. It's like we lost stuff too. It's like uh, the, the original Motorola flip phone was plastic you could drop it it could survive a lot it was really easy to use my dad had one i still have his phone on the shelf um i think it's important i mean i, I think you you talk about it a lot you know technology has got to be for the sake of people 
um, for the sake of development or technology itself is, is, is again, another waste of time. And, uh, you know, even the, uh, was, uh, I don't know if I included this in the article, I, I took it out. There were many, so many more examples I came up with of arbitrary victories that meant nothing. Uh, there was, have you heard of Penn Central Railroad? <laughs> well, of course. Are you kidding? I, mean, I, 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 I oversaw the, the, the conception and the interment of its follow-up, Conrail. So did who you? remembers that one? Okay, so I, you know, I, did, I, the whole, I did the whole thing, you know. <laughs> so I imagine that, um, that as funny as Nokia uh, seems to us today with that headline in Forbes 2007 had a headline, which was, can anyone catch the cell phone king? which today seems hilarious. It, it's so obviously silly that, um, that, you, that someone who doesn't even know the story at all, who's only ever used an iPhone can see that and know that history is hilarious. And I'm sure that that's gonna, there's stuff going on today that's gonna seem hilarious to us in the future. Although I don't wanna name names. <laughs> a certain company that's been in the press the past week for um, a few recalls, well, you want to talk about that? <laughs> we will talk about that. We, we but first, I have a message on my device here. Hold on. Blackberry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hey. I got to answer. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Blackberry? So look, basically, I, uh, I I wrote this piece in response to the silliness of the news cycle, and and when I started drawing out, you know, the uh, analogies, it became so obvious how silly this is. That, you know, the even metaphors like it's not a race, it's a marathon. Even that doesn't make sense because a marathon still has a winner who crosses the finish line. And although it's just a longer, it's a longer race, fundamentally, it's the same. It's, it's linear. There's a start point, there's an end point, it's over. Uh, somebody pointed out, several people pointed out in the comments to my story, I posted on LinkedIn, that um, there was a book that I, I was loosely aware of it, but I forgot uh, the name of the author called Finite and Infinite Games by an author named James P. Carse. I want to shout out um, to my friend Josh McManus, who's as close to like a real thought leader and intellectual in the space we have, um, who's not at an academic institution. He pointed out that, that Carse's book um, uh, discusses this concept of finite versus infinite games back in the 80s. And it was, uh, it's something that other people have borrowed from and plagiarized, but he was the original guy. And that we should not pursue activities uh, necessarily for the sake of just doing them. There should be a, a purpose, a goal. Uh, you know, this struck me um, when because of the uh, analogies people use to pitch autonomous vehicle companies. They talk about moonshots, uh, but a moonshot is again not a, a useful analogy because it's finite. You get there, it's over. The assumption is whoever got their first one, but a moonshot is actually a, a terrible analogy for autonomous vehicles because it assumes that once you got there, it's solved, quote unquote solved, and that there's nothing more, no more work to be done. But today, there's no moon base. You can't buy a plane, to, a ticket to fly to the moon as a, as a tourist. Costs of going to the moon, I mean, some costs have gone down, but it's not a consumer product. It's still an, a, an experiment that gets easier over time with the knowledge you've got, but is not a consumer product. So what we want for autonomous vehicles, you talk about this in your show, you want them not just to, to be, you know, quote unquote safe, but you want them to be accessible and to do good at scale. And that moonshot analogy doesn't make sense there at all. 
And so I started going down the list of all the historical examples of things people thought were solved, but um, nothing's ever solved. You know, life is a, a series of constant improvements and innovations. And the difference between invention and innovation is getting that thing to people at scale and doing maximum good. So that's my rant. <laughs> Well, of course, it's very much the same rant that we've had here, and I and I'd like to, you know, just say that the, that's the reason why I've been involved in in the whole Trenton initiative, uh, you know, for so long and 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 pushed it so hard and whatever. It's the and and in the discussing of 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 this for Trenton. We, I never discuss LIDARs or the technology or don't even try to say that there's no driver. The idea is, is that it that it be safe. <clears throat> safe <coughs> has to be. If you're not safe, you're not in the game. Okay, forget about it. You know, safe is not an objective. It's a floor. It's it's you know, you gotta achieve it. And if you don't, you're I mean, even forget about it. You're not you're you know, you're whatever uh, but that it you know to, to hit the equitable piece the, the affordable piece has to be there and it's not affordable because a bunch of people are subsidizing the thing it's because it's fundamentally inexpensive to put out there so that people who don't have a lot can actually use it to improve their lives i mean that's where the equity comes in and it's mobility it's not it's not oh my goodness i can stick my hands out the window look mom no hands i mean that's an amusement ride and if i if i look at the industry you know through the 200 billion that has been invented invested in it what what is what is it it's a bunch of it's a bunch of amusement ride. Oh my goodness, I have to go up steep hills and I don't want to tell anybody how I go up steep hills. That's an intellectual property thing. And why do I want to go up steep hills is because the rich guy lives on the top. Are you kidding? That rich guy doesn't want this. It's like goofy, excuse me, it is goofy to do this in San Francisco for the people that have so damn much have so much money, have so many drivers, have so many chauffeurs, have so much, and to do it there, I mean, are you kidding? Really? I mean, we're the people that you know around there who could really use some mobility, and unfortunately, you know, I have to put up with, with a bus that shows up who knows when because they don't have a subway. Because, of course, subways don't go there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they only go where, you know, it, it's it's it drives me nuts. Yeah, I know it drives you nuts. Uh, well, I can't <laughs> comment on the selection of cities. Uh, I know you can. Without <laughs> appearing biased. Look, I'm convinced that eventually um, autonomous vehicle technology will be deployed in such a way that it improves, you know, cities and many, many communities. Like I'm confident of it. Yeah. Who will do that? Um, well, I think we all know where I place my bets. Yeah, uh, no, of course. <laughs> yeah, and you, you we know, wish you we wish you all the best. I, I do think though that it's um, and, and we do think you should come to Trenton too. But that's a whole uh, other thing. We aren't going to go there. Go uh, ahead. Outcome. I can't comment anyone else. Uh, yeah. you know, it's it's just um, the overpromising and underdelivering is really unhealthy. <laughs> And I think that, well, I hope that journalists and you know, your show will continue to call out companies like very aggressively for, for, for doing this because I constantly meet people, uh, you know, I live in Miami, who ask me for, you know, when autonomous vehicles will come to their community. Not because 
Argo, where I work, has promised a date and a time, but because some, someone else has promised they'll work everywhere, all over. Yeah. And it's just, it's really, it's just not, <laughs> it's like, I, I suppose if an airline or inventor back like 1910 said, don't worry, no one, no one buy horses or cars because we're going to offer you privately owned planes that can land in your backyard next year. That just, that's not helpful. It's just not helpful. I mean, some people are promising that now that I, that my car will all of a sudden convert into whatever and then I can fly there. I mean, have you seen some of the stuff out there? It is like, are you, and you're going to scale that? What? I mean, are there going to be two of these or are they going to be? <laughs> you mean really? the EVTOL guys, like the vertical takeoff and landing? Yeah, vehicles? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, that is the problem you point out about, you know, equitable solutions or accessible things. It's, it's, it's incredible <laughs> that uh, anyone suggests that that will be available at scale in modern urban population centers. That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy because then, I mean, just the noise issue. I mean, look, I, I've seen some prototypes and systems that are much quieter and I could see how that would be more palatable. But if you go to, you know, New York city, I remember when I was a kid, there were helicopters that landed on top of the Pan Am building. Yeah. One uh, incident, I forget what year one. it was. Yeah. One eliminated one. that service for one. decades. And today just- you, you could land helicopters in Manhattan, but you've got to do it like on the perimeter of, of uh, the island. And I think that there's just, so sometimes engineers develop systems without actually considering really who might benefit and where they might go. And that's fine. But to suggest that that's going to solve the world's bills is just silly. It's, it's silly. It's, it's again, you know, more for those that have a lot or something for those that already have a lot. And then when they look at it, they'll probably roll their eyes and they'll buy their Sikorsky, whatever that they've been buying for the last 25 years anyway. And they aren't going to get that one. And, and it, it just, it's, it is unbelievable. Okay. And, and in a sense, this is, you know, to sort of get back to Trenton, because of course that's what I'm pushing or have been pushing. Um, uh, but, but of course the objective there is, is not to test out the, the technology. One is assuming that the technology works. What the hell did, what was the 200 billion spent for? At least in a little place, eight square miles, or you can get it to work in a lousy eight square miles. And we've even said with respect to that, we don't want to work 365.25 days. We have, a, we have a storm emergency in New Jersey coming up for this evening. The governor says, stay home, okay? And we don't have any automatic vehicles to keep home. You mean the automated vehicles are going to go out when the governor says stay home? I mean, cut it out. We're not looking to solve the stay home problem. I mean, look, why? Because who does that solve it for? It solves it for the people who already have so damn much mobility. The only mobility they don't have is, is, is when the governor says stay home. Whereas a lot of people and, and not more than non-trivial number. My goodness, they have to stay home all the time. The 350 days when it's nice because they because there's nothing to take them anywhere that they can afford. 
And it's absolutely, totally silly. And I can't believe it. We are not solving the deep snow problem. We're going to wait for New Jersey DOT to go out there and shovel. We're not going to solve the fog problem in San Francisco. Are you kidding? You're going to really drive. You want to solve the fog problem? Go Okay, for, for Silicon Valley. I mean, they deserve everything. Okay, you know, get out of here. Forget about it. I'm, I'm sick. I, I don't know. It drives me nuts. Sorry. Go. Come on, Alex. No, uh, uh, on a kind of related note, just see the New York Times op-ed this morning. Um, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Farhad Let's Manju, talk about it. Let's talk so about it. This is uh, Farhad Manju, one of my favorite writers, uh, wrote this column uh, reviewing the Cadillac Escalade, and the headline was, My Big Fat Self-Driving Road Trip. And uh, I had an issue with this, but it wasn't the one that someone else pointed out. Uh, my issue was that the Cadillac Escalade's not self-driving. It's uh, it's got a driver assistance system that's quite good. It's called Super Cruise. But yet his whole column is about how this vehicle drove him around on his road trip and how he wasn't even really paying attention and without really getting into the driver monitoring systems and other safety things that are in the vehicle. That's that's one thing. Right? So that's maybe a little pedantic. I have an issue with the language. Um, but the other thing, uh, this was pointed out, I think, by uh, Doug Gordon or some of the guys from War on Cars, was that this article was um like a wink wink um haha uh about how much he loved this large suv and i thought that was really interesting uh that we in 2022 you have a you know very popular uh respected writer in the new york times is writing this kind of uh love letter to this very large heavy vehicle that um uh that some would say is not the optimal way of solving mobility <laughs> with a system that's not self-driving that he calls self-driving. And so there's a lot of mythology wrapped up in private ownership and weight and size uh, that is just taken for granted in car reviews. And whereas the people who actually understand transportation issues and mobility and vehicle design are generally not writing vehicle reviews. And so you have these two lenses onto how people get around and they're not talking to each other well i'll go farther since you know you know i'm not in the industry i'm, I'm just sitting here in this backwater institution here you know in this in the swamps of new jersey whatever uh, the but, swamps uh, of princeton <laughs> the cage what? of a professor's mansion on princeton property right? <laughs> We're, well not princeton well princeton town property not university yeah you got it but how, how did we get here? At one point, we got rid of the Hummer. And we now have General Motors bringing back the Hummer. We not only have General Motors bringing back the Hummer, we have General Motors promoting the Escalade. I mean, what is it? We're supposed to be out there on our interstate and roadways with tanks? I mean, are you really? Has anybody has anybody paid attention to to you know the whole environment potentially environmental thing of these big things? And now we have we have the New York Times, who like you know is you know some of the biggest tree huggers in the world, out there you know putting opinions that oh my goodness, don't go in a in a 
a, a vehicle that's that might be you know more appropriate let's go out in one of these big ones and then let's misbehave like elon let, let's oh elon can say hey you don't have to pay attention so hey i don't have to pay attention and i go ta 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 have you seen their ad and i can go down the street going da 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 holy mary what are you doing okay cut it out do you have no i mean what what is this is this really madison avenue that's making you do this at least they were promoting the E-type, okay? <laughs> you know, I mean, what, whatever, I, I don't, uh, what, what has happened? Holy hell, we've gone, I mean, we're, it, it might, is this the 70s all over again? We're gonna, we're not gonna have, you know, we're gonna dodge, you know? Come on, Alex. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I, I, so I'm gonna be an optimist, although okay. yes, we. I agree with you. I'll be an optimist for a second. Sometimes, you know, the, uh, the beast moves slowly, but it moves. Um, <laughs> I suspect that um, in you know in the in the coming years, this tension between like truly like autonomous vehicles, which you can sleep in the back, that's my rule, uh, and anything else. Some of you uh, you have to sit in the front. That people um, are going to realize and there's a bit, a bit of this in the media in recent weeks that driver assistance systems don't necessarily improve safety. They're generally driver convenience systems. It the, might be- dri- We've been yeah. saying that for years. Yeah. So a few people have made noise about it uh, in the last week or so um, in, a, in, the, in the mainstream media. And I think, I'm hoping, but I, I think this is gonna happen that as we see the gamification of more things, like uh, recently there's been a uptick in investment in pay to play games, like more pegs and virtual worlds and the metaverse gets play. I really think we're going to see a convergence of a couple of technologies in privately owned vehicles. One of them will be insurance products will get more creative and interesting. Maybe the pricing, um, I'm not going to say real-time pricing, but we already have devices which will uh, connect to your insurance company, which will say, oh, you're braking too hard, you're driving more or less safely today. Maybe we'll see something like um, the driver education that's baked into to driving games get baked into cars, like uh, head-up display or windshield that displays like the correct line, the correct braking location. Uh, if you don't brake, it will start to brake for you. And maybe, maybe somebody will come up with a really fun way to execute this, which will combine insurance, driver's ed, and private ownership in such a way that even larger, heavier vehicles are safer than they are today. Every time I think uh, it's all been done, I I think my own column points it out. There's no deadline. There's someone out there always being creative. And generally the United States has been a place where such people come. So as long as we keep our doors open to really, (laughs) to um, everybody who wants to build from scratch something really interesting, we could be surprised in a positive way. I hope that happens sooner rather than later because it's Escalade. I don't know. It's definitely not self-driving. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, I mean, it, I've I, I've used the term self-driving different than driverless, and self-driving requires that the driver pay attention the whole time. It is purely it is purely a comfort and convenience to make it easier to drive. Well, Professor, I'm going to stop you right there. Right. You one of the strictest voices on clarity and language. 
are saying that you're cool seating self-driving to systems that require a human in the driver's seat? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it requires a drive because because they're comfort and convenience, you know, and, and you know, it started with safe driving systems that basically focus on safety, but require you to be there. And then the, the self-driving require you to be there, but they give you comfort and convenience. I, for years, we said it, I've said that it was the the, the the fins and chrome you know for for the uh, for the dealerships a way to sell it you know it makes it easier it but it does not remove you from the responsibility of being the operator of the car and if things go boom you're responsible okay and if you're responsible then i guess unless you're a total idiot you better be paying attention Okay. Now, as soon as we can hop in the back seat, and if you know, call it uh, BBAI gives that to us. Okay. Then, then, then BBAI is the responsible entity, and it's the one that's going to have to buy the insurance or self-insure in case something happens. When I get into a, a United Airlines plane, I don't have to buy insurance to fly the plane. Okay, and do I know there's a there's a there's a pilot up there? I don't know. Maybe there's they're 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 lying to me or faking it. They're taking me someplace. The plane same, same crashes. Same thing with an elevator, right, Alan? <laughs> and we get to the elevator, and I want to get to the elevator with Alex because, of course, it's in his article, and he came to my class and talked about the whole darn thing last semester, and it was great, and talked about it in. At, you know, at, at Florida AV about it, you know, and, and that whole thing. But, but, you know, there it's, it's, it's he who he or she was operating the system to deliver mobility for me while I sleep in the back seat or sleep in the seat or sleep in the whatever. And, and they're the ones that are responsible, not me. Now, am I going to own it? I, never, never. Never. Why? Because if you're running that company, Alex, you will never trust me to keep that sucker, keep me from misusing that sucker when you're the one that's responsible. If you're responsible, you say, hey, man, uh, there's no autonomy. Autonomy, where the hell did that work come from? These things will never be, what, they run on their own? They have brains of their own? They have AI. There's no AI. I mean, cut it out. Autonomy is like, where the hell did that word come from? You know, Sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> at, at one point, I, I, when I was struggling with this years ago and I was yeah. following your, um, you at a distance, I'm like, why we should really, instead of using the word autonomous, we should maybe call vehicles where you can sleep in the back autonomy cars. <laughs> because, okay. Yeah. Uh, they're okay. autonomy cars because yeah. they actually extend my autonomy. Like, uh, like a, a car with driver assistance does not extend my autonomy because I'm still doing what I always did, sitting in the front doing a task. Right. So it's, it's, it's either task um, elimination or not. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the thing, it, it's not. It, it's purely comfort and convenience. Anybody who tries to sell it as something else, now out of that comfort and convenience, because I'm not, if I'm a truck driver. Alan, I'm going to stop you for a second because your mic is rustling okay. a lot. If, raise it up, I'm raise sorry. It. If I'm a truck driver, if I'm a truck driver and I do this for a living, 10 hours a day, 
to feed my family. You know, maybe it'd be nice if I could hop in the back and sleep, but I need some help, okay? So that, you know, I don't have to be there, you know, tense the whole, just tense the whole time, I think. Stuff that, that will make it easier, like, like, you know, lane centering, like intelligent cruise control. Oh my goodness, how simple. Okay, really, I don't have to focus. And don't give me heads up displays that I have to now look at my windshield instead of the road ahead. I mean, cut it out. It's in my face the whole time. I don't want that stuff in my face. I don't think. I want to set my speed, you know, like once or whatever. And, you know, instead of, oh, I got to go exactly. I mean, you, I, what? These things do that. These are wonderful systems. Why can't we just be happy with that piece of it? Okay. And then move on to this stuff. If we can get the thing, if it's smart enough to know what the hell to do, then it should do it. But only, but I, my view is that the person who makes that is the one that's responsible for that. And when they put it out there, anything goes bad, it's on them. Otherwise, don't put it out there. Yeah, otherwise, okay. I'm not getting in the back of that autonomous vehicle. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. Talk. <laughs> so, I mean, let me ask you guys this question because sure. I, when I was trying to figure out like how to explain autonomous, the autonomous vehicle industry to people, I was looking for historic games that, uh, or games we played as kids that would set up like a framework, like a thought framework. And so, when I go back to when I was a kid, I remember playing Operation. <laughs> which taught me the basic concept of have a steady hand before you perform sensitive work. <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, and I was thinking like checkers uh, is an interesting game because you, you teach it at the kids starting at three or four. What is checkers? Um, checkers, I mean, you teaches, uh, you have to plan two or three moves ahead. And if you plan far enough ahead, you can, um, you can jump multiple pieces. And that the notion like of, of a Hail Mary pass in life kind of comes from uh, checkers. Uh, but if you play chess, if you pull out a chessboard and you lay out um, the pieces, uh, the chess pieces to a child who's never played chess, but they know checkers, they may apply checkers rules, these pieces that are unrecognizable. And so all these games we play as kids, I, I think have a much greater effect on, on our thought processes later in life, depending on the sequence in which we learn them and who taught us. Uh, I think it's really important. So what games did you play, Alan? Uh, I don't think we're allowed to call those games anymore because they're sort of, uh, you, know, you, know, you know. Lawn darts? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> Um, uh, How old let's you? call let's call them cops and robbers or something. Uh, okay. We didn't call wow, them cops and loud. robbers. We called them well, yeah, cowboys and whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't Did know. You play I, stri- but you played strategy games as a kid. You played board games. What'd you play? Um, I played a lot of friend. You played Stratego Fishkin. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Did you play Stratego after learning to play chess or before? Probably about the same time. I, I don't know which came first specifically, but probably Stratego first. Stratego is an interesting game for those who had never played Stratego. It's uh, like, I mean, it's elements of chess, 
You, you line up two rows of troops, but the identity strengths of the forces are concealed from your opponent. Imagine playing chess, but not knowing which ones are the rooks or the pawns or the queens or kings. And that, that is, I mean, in a way, that's a, there's a concept that you want to learn maybe after playing chess, because in real life, you often don't know what you're up against. And in chess, you do. And so that's a very interesting game to bring up, Mr. Fishkin. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, it's I a very important game. How, how about Monopoly? Um, uh, play Monopoly, but and then and then you like Risk. I think well, uh, Risk uh, is like I think I played it once, and 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 I think the the people that that we played it with, we never spoke to them again. So well, you know the thing about <laughs> the thing about Monopoly. I'm writing a sequel to my that column uh, that should yeah. run uh, maybe by the time this episode airs, uh, where I talk about the games that teach us to see that, what, which games provide a good lens for the world. So I was thinking about Monopoly. And uh, my daughter, who's three and a half, saw me playing it uh, with other adults. And she saw the car. Um, you know, it, it, the car is one of the th pieces you can use in the game to represent yourself. She saw the car sitting unused in the box. And so she just picks it up, walks over to the Monopoly board, and then drives it around the entire board perimeter and declares, <laughs> I won. <laughs> and so that's a that, that is interesting because you can see how kids would apply the race analogy to other games uh which is not helpful and that is what's happened to the autonomous vehicle sector but my the, obviously my favorite game as a lens for this is risk yeah. uh and it's because i assume as you pointed out that safety as a concept or trust is not an end goal, it's table stakes. Yeah. And so on the assumption that multiple companies will develop autonomous vehicle technology, like who scales that out into a business uh, depends on things that are not about technology, but about like leadership and like business model. And, uh, and so I risk uh, for those who forgot how to play or don't never played before, you have a simplified map of the world. Um, if you, uh, place pieces in the setup phase around the board. You place them in, in an optimal way. Imagine it's a. Uh, uh, imagine you 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 deploy them all and say Australia. Uh, there's a flywheel effect. If you possess all of the territories in one continent, then on the subsequent turn, not just do you receive more armies, but there's a there's a network effect, uh, a flywheel. So you might receive. I, I forget what the number is. Um, 10 or 20 or 30% more armies per turn from possessing an entire territory. And so the game is largely like tic-tac-toe, which is one in the first move. You put an X on the center square. Uh, Risk is a game that's largely won based on how you deploy the setup phase before you ever fight. And so if you look at the, uh, the map of the world today in the autonomous vehicle sector, you've got a constellation of companies that have set up shop to test in, in various cities but you have very few cities in which two or more companies have set up head-to-head -to, -head to test or deploy. Uh, and just this past week, we've seen for the first time a, uh, uh, a cruise which, uh, in San Francisco uh, claimed that they're opening their vehicles up to members of the public. Waymo's there too. And so if one takes a very narrow view, one might say, oh, cruise beat Waymo in San Francisco. That does not really a helpful lens at all because if you step back and look at the risk game board of the world how many cities are 
is any company testing in? How many are they, could they possibly commercialize in, in the next, say, three to five years? And how quickly can they then expand to more cities to commercialize there? And as you pointed out, actually do something for the communities in which they commercialize. Because in any given city, there are many businesses to be developed around autonomous technology. One of them is moving people, but there are many others. So I'm working on this article about the risk, uh, article series about using risk as a lens, because if you really want to get technical and think of the way strategists do at AV companies, you would have multiple risk boards stacked, one for each type of business you want to build in that city or region. Uh, and a little bit like uh, how, I guess, uh, in, in Star Trek, there was an episode where they played chess in three dimensions. So imagine you're playing Stratego in three dimensions and you don't know the strength of everyone else's pieces. And then you start to get a picture of what the world looks like. Anyway, that's, that's my thinking Al, these days. Alex, is there a message for Wall Street and, and investors in this who are looking at profits this quarter and next quarter when it comes to developing this? Well, I, I, I guess my, my message would be to step back out of the forest and look at the total landscape. It, it's, uh, you know, it's not that hard to see if you take a map start putting pieces on it and then expand that map out and get them and look at the big picture. So. I, I guess in, if, if, if I can jump in here, because, you know, for what the hell, again, I'm not in the industry. I'm just, I'm outside of it, but I, what, what was very important was I'll say to me, instead of dragging a bunch of other people into it in in Trenton, in New Jersey, is to first create a welcoming environment, to create the field of dreams. And, and, and you, you, you can do this, and one can do this business in two ways. You can do an Uber way in which you come in and you say, lawyer up. Or you can come in in which, uh, you know, you have a field of dreams and people are welcoming you to come. And to me, um, as I look at this business and being in transportation, I, you know, uh, longer than whatever, and I don't want to comment on how good the reaching the moon and that ending was because it was an ending, which meant an ending that I wouldn't go to Mars and therefore I had to find something else to do. So I decided to you know, apply automation and for mobility in cities 50 plus years ago. And so, you know, pivoted that way. But the sort of the obvious thing to me is, is that when you go and you want to really provide mobility in a new way to cities, entities, localities where people live, my goodness, if they don't welcome you, you're not going to go there. You well, don't you know, stand a chance. Isn't they will that cut your the- whatovers off instantly okay that, that is the best moat there is is a community that feels respected that for whom some company has a product that does something real for them that that's absolutely. the best moat that's the moat. Ab- absolutely that's the, that's the only moat that's yeah. the only mode in which you have a chance 
because they will find ways. Now, you know, we have scooters in, in, in cities and, and we have bicycles, but I mean, it's like kicking and screaming and all, and, and because they're essentially free people threw them in there and who knows how long they're really going to last and which groups of people really use them besides 16 uh, year olds and, and so on and, 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 and whatever. Uh, but the key to me is, my goodness, um, if you don't have a field of dreams, you don't have a chance. You know, to me, why is Wayne, again, I know nothing internally. I haven't been there. I haven't seen it. Why is Waymo in Chandler? It's because the governor created a field of dreams in Arizona, said, come here. I mean, even in Air Love, California, with all of the stuff that's been done there, oh my goodness. I mean, you, you go down the dead end street and the people call the cops on you and, and, and whatever. And, and, and uh, we'll see how well, how well it goes in San Francisco and, and how well they've been in there. How long, how much money uh, they live there and they, and, and, Hmm. Uh, the, the rolling of the eyes and who are they serving? I, 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 well, did you read, I, what was it? Uh, Jeffrey Tumlin, you know, Jeffrey? Yeah, I know Jeffrey. Uh, he made a few weeks ago, he was tweeting. He, uh, he, did, he did not appear um, thrilled uh, about the role. <laughs> uh, I don't want to misquote him. Uh, you should have Jeffrey on your show. I'd love to hear what he has yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I should. Okay. I, we should. We should invite him, Fred. We should see, you know, have him come on. I, this is not easy. This is just not easy. You know, I've been through the, the, the planning whatever town meetings here in Princeton. Tried to do it in Mercer County. And I mean, I got, I, I got my legs chopped off. I mean, I didn't even know it happened. I, I had nothing from, from my knees down. They were gone for over what over. And, and if you, if you don't have that, Oh my goodness. Uh, are, and you think you're going to scale, you know, how many well, lawyers do you think you're going to need to do that? You know, I, I, on that note, what? I'm going to quote, um, again, uh, Josh McManus, who's, you should have him on your show. McManus said something really interesting years ago. He said, um, uh, if you want to deploy autonomous vehicles, um, communities have to vote for autonomy. He didn't mean vote in like, like in an election, like for a candidate who supported it. He meant vote um, with their feet and dollars and hearts. And uh, that's, I thought that was a really important way to see it uh, as, absolutely. As, as i've said as i've said i don't know how many times in this thing uh, fred you know if i don't want one of these things going down my street cleveland lane here i'll send peggy out there it'll stop for peggy I'll peggy's a dog by the way folks my dog <laughs> I'll, I'll jack it up get some cinder blocks and i'll steal its wheels <laughs> well okay. you know I mean, what i'm i'm gonna say to that seriously seriously serious i mean you you people have to be embraced the blood sweat and tears that we're going through in trenton with trenton moves is is to deal with the sociology of this technology not the technology is to get the people for which it is supposed to provide benefits and will value it 
to actually see the benefits and make sure that in fact, when it comes there and is designed, it really is for them. Else, they'll jack it up and steal the wheels. Well, Professor, that sounds like that's the tweet. That's the episode. (laughs) <laughs> and we're, we're going to have more on that in, in yeah, just no, we'll a minute. More. Uh, I'm sorry. I, there, there's know, some news been, uh, there. Yeah, but first, ahead. we want to remind folks uh, about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The symbol is MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On their website, check out the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some interesting information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, you probably know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments. Maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Alex Roy, Director of Special Operations at Argo AI. Check out the No Parking podcast, which Alex hosts with Argo CEO, Brian Seleski. Alex, before we turn to the, some of the latest headlines in, the, in the Alan's newsletter, what do you think the public should understand and expect when it comes to the technology here? And maybe a little more about Argo AI's goals. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm, I can only represent myself on this show. Uh, I'm, I was a skeptic for a long time about all this, but I'm actually uh, a great optimist today. Uh, if, if once you understand the difference between autonomous vehicles and vehicles that have assistance and you judge them each for what they are, it, it's pretty easy to see what's going to happen. Uh, autonomous vehicles are going to roll out. They're going to take time. Uh, and they're a completely different technology than driver assistance. And uh, I had a column a few months ago, which was uh, don't throw out the autonomous baby, with the self-driving bathwater. Um, actually, no, sorry. No, it was don't throw out the autonomous baby with the Tesla autopilot bathwater. And that, that for me sums up everything because you cannot judge one thing, um, apples by the behavior of oranges. You just can't, it doesn't make sense. They are totally different. I've called them ortho, almost orthogonal things. Doesn't necessarily mean one evolves into the other type of thing. They are one is comfort and convenience, the other is mobility. I mean, they're different. They're just fundamentally different. They're they're not uh, just hey, they might both use a lidar. Okay, great. They might both use a computer. Oh, wonder and algorithms. Oh. But, like escalators know, and elevators, two uh, different things. Escalator, absolutely. They're they're com- they're different things, okay? Uh, although they're somewhat similar because they provide mobility and the p- person that provides it is responsible for it. But go ahead, yes. It's like, but, it's like yeah, carrying but, an yeah, umbrella yeah. and a parachute. Both the umbrella and the parachute. <laughs> the, I think, I, I don't know who started that one, but I know Brian Walker Smith picked up on that and I just thought it was great. I mean, you know, holy hell. That, hey, that I'm, be... an, I'm, I'm a parachute here. I'm going to, I'm, I, I mean, hey, it's a great one. It is a great one. <laughs> well, Alan, let's get to the news here. Yep, on, yep. on top in the newsletter, following the announcement by uh, New Jersey Governor Murphy in December, yep. unveiling Trenton Moves, the project to provide a safe, equitable, and affordable, high-quality, on-demand mobility service to Trenton residents. Well, there's a significant milestone on tap for next week. 
Yeah, next Wednesday, uh, it's it's out. It's public. The the press has been invited to uh, to a I guess celebration or something that's going to be hosted by the mayor, by the commissioner of transportation, and by the superintendent of schools in Trenton, uh, announcing that uh, that Trenton has been awarded five million bucks from the uh, DOT to basically do the the front end um, um, really um, uh, sociology piece of this thing, the public engagement piece of this thing. And, and it's being done at Trenton High School. Uh, and, uh, and, and key in the whole process there, at least I think, again, my interpretation of the process is, is, that, is that the schools are, are an integral part of the um, of the community uh, engagement process, and in in some sense, uh, uh, some of us are looking to to the kids in Trenton schools uh, to basically be the emissaries of this and the beneficiaries of it. So you know, uh, if you're rich and under I think 17 in New Jersey, you can't drive. So you need to be chauffeured by your parents, which is a wonderful family activity that, that families just love all the time. Uh, maybe, uh, um, certainly maybe the first time after the 2000th time, who knows, but why shouldn't kids have mobility? Why shouldn't they be able to get to where they want to go? Why can't they go across town to go shoot hoops? Why can't they go to the library? Why can't they go to get, go get ice cream someplace? Why do they have to be chauffeured? Why does it have to be just within walking distance? And in some sense, to get to school and to, full, to integrate, supposedly, this has some sorts of advanced technology, STEAM, STEM, who knows what it's called in schools. Why not have them involved? Why not, you know, sort of uh, pump up uh, the the student body to get engaged, not only in in what is going to provide them a mobility, an upward mobility uh, for for them, but also intellectual mobility and also uh, technological mobility and interest and and experience and so on. So, in some sense, you know, one of the key elements of our field of dreams here. Here is are the are the are the youth are the kids in Trenton, and and have them and in some sense using not using them getting them engaged. It has been amazing the response that we've gotten from the superintendent of schools, his enthusiasm for this to really help educate not only the the economic development of of the city. But the educational and, and technological uh, improvement of the kids. And so, oh my goodness, with that reaction, with that kind of, of interest in, in the field of dreams that we've created, not only with the governor, not only with the commissioner, not only with the mayor, not only with the legislators from the Senate and the assembly, not only from the faith community, not only from the business community, not only from, from the residents, but also from the educational system, the fundamental educational system. And if you look at the fundamental educational system in some of our cities, it's not pretty. And we have the opportunity here in Trent to improve it here, to do that and all this stuff. So 
Am I excited about it? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it takes place when I have class and whatever. So I don't know. I guess I'm not involved. So let me get you, you know. to move your mic up again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I have class, but you know, whatever. I don't know if I'm involved or but whatever. This but this is this is at the same time that the state is out there asking companies to come in with ideas for how this could work. Yeah, well, we have uh, we've followed had, by request we've had, we've had New, New Jersey DOT has had an RFEI out there. It's due January or February 11th are the responses that are due. You know that is just uh, that is a mechanism by uh, to, to signal to the to to the investment community, the developers, the people who who think that they can actually do this. That in fact, you know, we have a serious business opportunity in Trenton for this. It is a start, and it's purely to provide mobility. We don't want to do testing. We want to do deployment for mobility to improve the mobility situation at Trenton. And the argument to do it in Trenton is that 70% of the households have access to one or fewer cars. And it's not because we have a New York City subway system in Trenton that they have a way to get around. The way they have to get around is walking and waiting for a New Jersey transit bus, which tries desperately to do as best they can. But my goodness, you can't do, I mean, with a bus and a driver, what can you do? You can't do 24 seven. Okay, and you know, and they certainly don't do better than three fifty. So the the bottom line here is that things are moving. Well, now, hey, I I couldn't I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, you know, I, whatever personally for whatever that means, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just back here in the you know backwaters of Jersey, and you know whatever. Say so the backwaters of Princeton, New Jersey. Well, you know whatever. <laughs> The, the river is nearby, you know, so uh, whatever. What? No, no, seriously. Look, uh, there is, you know, how many um, I, I think in terms of the number of so-called uh, driverless or autonomous or or self-driving vehicles in New Jersey, besides the large number of Teslas, you know, there have been, you know, one by NVIDIA. There's been my couple with from the DARPA challenges. And we had the Ollie show up once, okay, and that's it. Otherwise, you know, all the all the whatever you name the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the world, uh, New Jersey. Oh my goodness, I don't know. We don't. Uh, people live there. They might have mobility needs. Oh, we don't want to go there. I don't know if that's really what they say, but they certainly am. Oh, excuse me, I I miss it. Damn it. Sorry, Waymo is here. Uh, the cars that they're using to drive around Manhattan, the supposedly uh, map Manhattan, can you imagine we're mapping Manhattan again? Map Manhattan are actually parked in Jersey, I think. The, 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 somebody said, you know, they, they actually drive them every day across the, the, the tunnel. You know what? You know what the toll is on the tunnel these days. We're getting revenue out of. That's Waymo. because how much oh, it would goodness. cost to park them in New York. That's. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Is it sixteen dollars? How much? Sixteen dollars, I think. I don't know. I mean, I I had I had sticker shock. I mean, Verrazano Narrows Bridge when it was thirteen. I thought, okay, it's a Verrazano. Verrazano Narrows. I crossed that sucker 14 times in 14 New York City marathons. So, you know, I, you know, I, sure, I'll pay for that sucker, but whatever. 
an old 16 by or something. Holy, whoa. Some other headlines to get to quickly, Alan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we got from, it. Yeah. From Freight Waves, a report on a nearly $50 million funding round for parallel systems for autonomous battery electric rail vehicles to move freight. You had some comments on that. Yeah, well, well it's the second our sort of thing that we've seen on that. I think it's a great idea, the, op the opportunity to be able to move uh, without a, a two-person crew um, uh, uh, containers on the nation's rail system, um, that would be like fantastic. That would mean that you can, you know, may basically move one double stack, whatever. Just think the frequency, just think of the opportunities, just think of the, the origin destinations you can serve as opposed to waiting until you have 200 of them that you can put who knows what up front that you can afford to have a two-person crew drag them okay i mean a real opportunity but i'm not so sure that necessarily the way they're looking at it is the uh, they they want a dynamic form, form congo trains you know dynamically come together and then separate apart i you know i I tried to simulate that once. It doesn't. It doesn't work well, and I don't just don't see it operationally that it would work in the nation system. But again, you know, I played with the nation's railroad system for for twenty five years. So you, you've got an electric train behind you on the mantle. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <I don't> <laughs> then then there's a report from New Atlas on a video from the Toyota Research Institute that got your attention it shows a supra in autonomous mode doing drifts around corners and planted obstacles you are not a fan of this i'm not a fan i am just not a fan so what for whom another one percent of the one percenters go toyota go for it okay all right all right. Look, I mean, let's get serious about it. We don't have these things moving to 25 miles an hour, moving to anybody safely yet anywhere, except for maybe two places, one in the middle of the night in San Francisco and the other one in, in uh, where they have uh, where 70 percent of the households own two or more cars. Come on. I mean, how can they really? That's what a research clickbait. Some quick Tesla headlines uh, of late, the latest, a recall of, uh, I think, 88,000 vehicles over seatbelt reminder alerts. Earlier in the week, Tesla said it would perform an over-the-air software update to disable the rolling stops and intersections. We talked about that, I think, already. Yeah. And, yeah. and there were reports that some drivers were experiencing unexpected braking. That's in the news as well. Yeah, I, I, look, the unexpected braking is because of the Society of Automated Automotive Engineers for years have said that, that my goodness, we can't have unexpected braking in cars. Otherwise, there are going to be rear end collisions. And so to avoid rear end collisions, turn off the automated emergency braking system. And I've been complaining about that for years. It is the wrong trade off. OK, why don't you improve your automated? emergency braking system so that the, the that the false alarm rate is less so that the braking doesn't occur as often and secondly none of the i don't believe any of these cars come to full break full stop okay so you know maybe there's a you know the things on and it hits the brake a little bit my goodness my wife complains about my driving that way all the time she wants you to hit the brake would you hit the brake oh, I, I thought i saw something 
but I didn't slam on the brake and come to arrest. Why would somebody develop a, an automated emergency braking system that did that? And so what does that cause them to do is to turn the damn things off until you're 1.6 seconds before collision. And then the Mercedes tightens this, closes this, puts in the thing so that the engine doesn't take your, uh, your legs off and slams on the brakes as hard and everything goes to hell. Why didn't it start to break three seconds before collision and start slowing down? Oh, because it wasn't sure. Well, damn it, be sure. I don't know. I mean, this is like crazy stuff, okay? And, and it's a shame because, because the automated emergency braking systems, as IIHS has tasted, as the men showed it to, to us, yes, they finally improved such that IIHS grants some a good, okay? But come on, you know, damn it, design those damn things better. It's a shame. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, and finally, uh, Tesla yeah, started. Yeah, poor, he, poor, he, he poor Alex spend has to stand into my <laughs> raves. I don't know. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> Elon doesn't spend a penny on advertising, but the Tesla started selling the Tesla mic for in-car karaoke in China and sold out quickly. So... <laughs> Does that mean in, in karaoke, does that mean I have to sit there and I read the words as they're coming off? That's what karaoke is, I think. Isn't, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't party. I don't go to those things. I think, are you kidding? Once again, is it bad enough that we were playing games while driving down the street? Right. Now we're going Professor, to I say, do we know for a fact if it, that it's to be meant to be used while the car's in motion? Because it could also just be, uh, connected to the karaoke game while charging, right? Yeah, sure. And if it is, if the car is not in motion, which he can do over the air update and all that stuff and make sure that it, and so on. And he can make sure cars stop at stop signs. Or he can say, hey, you know, you, I'm going to let the thing roll through, but I'm going to guarantee that nothing, that, that it's safe. And I know it's safe. And me, Elon, is going to pick up the tab if something bad happens, okay? If he's willing to do that, then sure, let's roll through. We don't need to stop. The reason we stop, again, is because we got to look this way and look that way. That takes time. I mean, we're human. Look at what the hell we have to do. Man, if we got, like, cameras that can see it, boom, in, in four nanoseconds, say, hey, yo, you don't have to stop. But, boy, Elon, if you're going to give that to me, you're the one that's responsible. And if somehow there's somebody and it goofs up, you pick up the tab and you make the things back to, to being good or better or as bad as, as best you can. You're willing to do that? I personally love you. You put it on me? I don't know what the hell you put in the code. I don't know what Dojo said. I don't have your sensors and whatever, and your LIDARs or non-LIDARs and radars or non-radars or cameras or non-cameras. Have, like have you invited uh, Elon onto your show? No, I can't get to him. No, I, you know, I can't get to him. I we we, we, him. we have tried, but haven't. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and he, he shouldn't come on my show. He's look, he, he's a busy guy. He's he's a brilliant guy. He's doing a lot of fundamental. They're going to three three spacex launches this week you know he's gonna re he returned too he's gonna return and i mean like fantastic stuff non-trivial accomplishments come on you know what we've run well unfortunately alex you know i don't know 
he should come on your show, my show, who, you know, what the hell, you know, again, backwaters of Jersey, you know. <laughs> well, Alex, we do appreciate you taking time with us. Uh, keep up the, the great writing, podcasting, all Absolutely. the work at Argo. Thank you. Thank you for taking time with us. Yeah. And love having you. Uh, thanks a lot. You know, great day. Thanks, Mr. Fishkin, Professor Kornhauser. Uh, have a great day, guys. Thanks. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. More information is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, wherever you turn to for podcasts, your smart speaker can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please stay safe. <laughs>